Thank you, Kate. My name is Narinda and I am an alcoholic and a recovering adult child. Thank you, Pam, for asking me. Um, yes, I was um, thinking about three hours ago, how, you know, what what sort of lie I can text Pam to say why I can't do it. <laughs> it's like... And it might, you know, my head saying that my heart knew that this is this was the right thing to do. Um, yeah, um, it's been a it's been an emotionally tough day for me today, and I still my thinking can still tell me lies that you know I need to have had an absolutely amazing day, feel absolutely amazing because I'm doing this chair, <laughs> it's like, well, no, why is today going to be different just because I'm doing a chair? I am still me, I'm still working on myself, I'm still an alcoholic and I'm an adult child, so, okay, but first of all, I'll say that, you know, I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous and I don't speak for ACA, I am a member of both fellowships and I'll try my best not to share my opinion with you but my experience um so and uh, please god i'll be honest with you if possible um well yeah i came into alcoholics anonymous in um gosh my first ever meeting was in 2007 and um yeah, I was given the big book, I was given a starter pack and I went home, I put the starter pack and the big book next to the, all my other books on the bookshelf and just carried on drinking um, for a good another year and um, I, I couldn't actually believe it, you know, that I, I've ended up in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and yet I knew straight away that I was in the right place. Um, for me, one one big thing for me and why I keep coming back to ACA and why I keep coming back to AA is that gift of identification. You know, I am not alone. I have people who think like me have this illness and I believe it is an illness. Um, and I knew straight away from my first meeting, well, second one when I came back after a year, that I needed to be in AA. And, um, so just a brief sort of background. Um, oh, that's just amazing. I didn't even start my timer. <laughs> I was laughing to myself and I was just going to time it to 15. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I come from a Sikh family, um, Punjabi heritage, and I'm the youngest of nine, um, five brothers, three sisters, and, and, and I was number nine. And um, my childhood was, I'm still trying to find out what my childhood was about. Um, a lot of my memories that I have are not nice and um, 
I can count on one hand how many memories I have of my childhood um, before I got to the age of eight. I have more memories after the age of eight. Um, you know, my parents came over to um, this, well, I think this country, to the United Kingdom um, in the late 40s and it, it was tough. It was tough being Asian. It was tough being, that's how I felt. It was tough being in the family that I was in and then going to school. It was like living in two separate worlds. Um, all my brothers, um, well, most of my brothers went to university. You know, my dad was very authoritarian. It was like education, education. But when it came to his daughters, we were given that opportunity. Um, um, yeah, there was sexual abuse, and this occurred not from outsiders, but within my family. Um, and I still, even saying that to you guys, I, if I be absolutely honest, I can still feel the shame. I can still feel the shame when I'm saying that. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm an adult child. I'm doing something about it, you know. Um, and I don't have a lot of memories, but I definitely... I, stuff happened to me, and it was my eldest husband. I, I spent most of my childhood either with my eldest sister or with my eldest brother and his wife. I didn't spend a lot of time with my mum. And I guess growing up and looking at my cousins and how they grew up, it was just something I accepted that, you know, nobody's really bothered about you <laughs> you know you just get on with it you know um and i feel like i sort of i definitely there was a lot of chaos and i had no sort of sense of self and the sense of self i had was who thought i was no Ricky. and then eventually, um, yeah, whose wife I am, um, and it and it was it was tough. It, it was tough. Um, I was taken out of school at the age of. I was actually just coming towards my second year at secondary school and. I didn't do too bad considering with all the trauma, you know, I was quite shut down, quite sort of angry kid. Um, and I managed to get into a grammar school and um, I had a crush on this boy. And to cut the long story short, I didn't know that the boy was from the same community as I was. And everybody found out I was taken out of school. Um, and that was the end of my education. And straight away towards the end of that year, my mum took me to India. Um, she said, we're going on holiday. 
um, my my sister, my poor sister, Deepi, she's three years older than me, who passed away now, and she got married and I got engaged. And um, for me, it was, today I can honestly say, hand on my heart, it was a forced marriage. Um, yes, it was arranged by my parents, um, well, me, my mum, and I came back to England and then after two years I was sent back to India again to get married. And I didn't want to do it. And I think that's my probably first memory of actually doing something so drastic because I was just so petrified of my dad. I just could not tell my dad that I didn't want to get married to this guy. And my mum had already gone to India, so because I'd been taken out of school, um, I lied about my age and joined this secretarial course. And um, and I remember after the course, we were sitting in the Wimpy, Wimpy bar, um, and I decided to take a hundred paracetamols and locked myself in the toilet. And I woke up in hospital having my stomach pumped. And one of my sisters put me back to hers, and yeah, eventually I gave in. My, my dad actually said he'll try his best um, to tell my mum that I don't want to get married, but it didn't work. Well, I got married. It was a very violent relationship. Um, he was very violent with his hands, and I was very violent with my mouth. Um, and it was just. It was just chaos after chaos after chaos. And actually, to be honest with you, when I found alcohol, I thought that I found my best friend. You know, I guess that was something I could trust. It was there, it was reliable. And um, for a while, it actually helped me to be some sort of a mother to my children. Um, and for me, I was definitely, um, you know, I hear sometimes in Alcoholics Anonymous, people talk about their fun days, my drinking was very, you know, I, I was on my own listening to Phil Collins, you know, if that's not going to make anyone depressed, I don't know what else is. Um, and just, you know, looking at myself in the window and just drinking and feeling sorry for myself, it was... So not glamorous. It was very, very dark and very depressing. And um, when I got to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I by then I had voluntarily been in psychiatric units. I suffered from Thank you. severe depression. Um, it, it it was hard. It was hard and. Yeah, I'm actually, by God's grace, I'm, I was 13 years sober and clean in January. Um, I've always attended AA meetings and I've always tried my best to be deserved in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, it was, it's going to be two years in September that I came to ACA and I, and I came to ACA um, a friend, my friend recommended 
eighth year, and he was talking about all these long periods of traits, and I, I was just, what are you talking about, you know, and I suffer from severe OCD, so for me, laundry, hearing the word laundry quite traumatic, I was like, I don't understand what all this means, laundry, this trait. Um, but anyway, um, I came to ACA and I, it, it's the best thing I've done. And at first I was thinking, oh my gosh, what my life has come to after 13 years in AA, going through the work, going through the steps so many times, having therapy, praying, praying, more praying, and now I've ended up in ACA. Um, but I don't think I would be able to look at the stuff I'm looking at and feel the stuff I'm able to feel today if I didn't have AA and I hadn't been in AA all those years. You know, if I was supposed to get to ACA earlier, uh, I would have. I, I'm sort of firm believer that things happen when they happen and I don't need to know why. I, you know, I don't need to know the reason I, I leave all that to God. Um, Yeah, and I am on step four in ACA. I have a co-sponsor who is an absolute godsend. He has the patience of a saint. Um, and it's probably the first relationship I'm having with somebody whilst going through the work, and we're both on the same sort of level playing field. So he shares with me and I share with him. And that has been really difficult for me, but yet really powerful as well. Um, for me, because I was like, when I was in AA, my sponsor, my AA sponsor was like, you're not my God, you know, I, you know, I was such a, you know, I just wanted to be a good sponsor, you know, I wanted to be the best step for, I was very competitive. Um, you know, I, I just copied everything he did, I copied the way he shared, you know, I had no sense of that whatsoever. Um, and I wonder, you know, two years in AA, I had a nervous breakdown, <laughs> and I wondered why. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I don't look at it now as, oh my God, all that work I've done in AA has gone to waste. It, of course it hasn't gone to waste. It's given me, given me the tools and the strength to deal with the stuff that I'm dealing with now. Um, I, I see ACA as just a very, very different fellowship to, to, to AA. Um, you know, I... I think I remember sharing that with a few members on this meeting that, you know, that, that lovely saying in AA, I don't want to cross-share, but, and then they cross-share, and it's just like, if I could get a pound for every time somebody says that, I'd be a millionaire, and it's just, um, but it, it's okay, it works in AA, you know, AA has its place, and that's where I go for my alcoholism, and I come here because of my childhood trauma, well, to, ACA and um, I've, I've recently started having this sharing therapy. I drive to Hammersmith every Saturday 
to have this therapy um, with a Catholic nun, and it, it's just so bizarre. It's just so weird. The whole thing is really weird. And um, I was very skeptical about it. Oh, I was very skeptical, and I just thought, oh, I don't know about this. Um, and oh gosh, yeah, stuff's happening. And of course, I want the, the easy way out, a pain-free way to heal. Um, but I don't think that's ever existed for me. Um, I, I still feel, you know, even on my, my darkest days when I just feel, oh my God, I, don't, I just can't carry on anymore. It's just too much. It's never going to get better. That there's always... There's just always that, even if it's really small, there's some light inside me that helps me to keep going, you know, and that has been my strength. Um, my saving grace has been picking up the phone, sharing with people. I've never, I never had an issue doing that in AA, and I don't have an issue doing that in ACA. You know, if I can't get through to my co-sponsor, I will get through to somebody to share what's going on. Um, um, yeah, and I can happily say that out of those eight siblings, I have healthy contact with one of them. And I don't feel sorry for myself about that. That's a decision I've made, it's a conscious decision that I can no longer heal myself and then also be in a relationship with, you know, extended family members who are still in denial. You know, um, none of the females supported any of us being in the abuse. It was very hidden. Um, and to this day, it's not talked about. And um, I can't live like that anymore. You know, my, my shen therapist has told me that, you know, I'm still holding on to a lot of anger and a lot of, a lot of shame. Um, um, but, you know, today I'm willing. I'm willing. And I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that I can have peace, so that I can have healthy relationships in my life. Um, for me, this fellowship at AA and ACA has really taught me how to love and how to be loved as well. I found that so difficult. You know, anybody who's kind to me, I still get uncomfortable, but I accept it now. I actually am worthy of love. Um, can I just end on this? And the thoughts still come. The, one of my um, really close friends, I've, I've known her ever since I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I invited her around yesterday for lunch, and and I was I was still thinking, but why why is she still my friend all these years? What have I got to offer her? Why does she want to be my friend? And I, it's and, and I'm still working at that, you know, and, and that's okay, you know, that's okay that I have those thoughts. Um, yeah, I've, I've received a lot, 
of gentleness and love. Um, more so, I would say, in the ACA fellowship. Um, and maybe that's, I don't know. I, I've received support and love in AA as well, but in a different way, in a different way, I would say. ACA has been exactly what I've needed. Um, yeah, I, I haven't even shared half the stuff that I wanted to share. I don't know what's come out of my mouth. Um, but yeah, um, and I guess the topic could be, um, I don't know, I guess um, holding on to hope during painful times, I guess. I'll leave it there, thank you.